Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 37, which begins with Johnny threatening Goose, and it ends with Mudguts molesting a mannequin. It's a nice bit mm. of alliteration there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's so much nicer than what actually is shown on screen. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Because we begin this minute with Johnny finishing his little outcry against Goose, saying, you know, we know who you are, Bronze, which prompts Goose to respond. Says, we'll see you on the road, Skag. We'll see you on the road like we saw the Knight Rider. Kind of surprised this is the first time in this series of altercations that the Knight Rider has come up. Because mm-hmm. it is, it's like the one thing that Goose can lord over Johnny. Like, Johnny has a lot right now to lord over Goose. Yeah. But... Getting the Knight Rider, that's a big one on the side of the bronze. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't brought it up till now. Uh, but it definitely gets under Johnny's skin. Yeah. And he has to he has to get that last word in. Yes. And he we see him do this over and over and over again. This might be... This, in this instance, isn't even the last time in this minute he does it. He has to get the last word in. So he, he says these things that taunt Goose... And then Goose reacts, usually by attacking him in some way. And then John just does it again. Mm-hmm. He just says something else to taunt Goose. I think it's his immaturity that he has to have the last word. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. And he succeeds. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be any other way. He, he wouldn't allow it to be any other way. He gets right under Goose's skin. And the craziest thing about it is that Johnny is doing all of this tough talk and he's making all of these rude gestures and insulting phrases. And he really doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's posturing. Mm-hmm. He's making himself out to be this big tough guy. And really, he's done nothing in this scene specifically to warrant him being this big tough biker guy. Yeah, our entire interaction with Johnny has been passive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually even... hasn't really done anything. Yeah, I mean, even when they initially found him, he was drugged out of his mind, and yeah. then we transition over to the Halls of Justice, and he's just sitting there, like, quiet and resigned, leaning up against the wall, and he doesn't start being the just slime bucket that he is until he realizes that the court officials are there to release him, and then suddenly he's just cock of the walk yeah just the cat's pajamas or whatever one of those phrases i looked up was the other week <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that and maybe i should have brought this up back in the minute where we saw that transition take place from resigned to cocky yeah but did he, did johnny think that toe cutter was going to take care of him and get him off i'm or did bet. he think that he had been abandoned by his gang and was gonna go to jail based on the expression that i remember him having i think it was more the latter yeah that, that he thought he, he had been abandoned i agree because he seems very uh depressed and stoic mm-hmm. but the minute they walk in and, and fifi says let him go you know He's charlie's like bombastic and yeah cocky fifi walks in and says you know forget it charlie let him go and that's when he does his mocking repe- repetitive right. voice And he immediately, like, changes personality completely. Yeah. So he's still on that cocky personality. Oh, absolutely. And it's totally unwarranted. Yes. He he hasn't 
earned it. Yeah. And it's annoying Goose, but at the same time, I don't think Goose is intimidated by Johnny. I think he's frustrated and annoyed by him, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he's intimidated. No, not at all. You know, which is why he probably fires back with that Knight Rider thing, because, you know, they all chased the Knight Rider. The Knight Rider was an adversary worthy of bringing up again. He was a character that took a lot of skill to take down. Yeah, it took six of them to take him down. And they did. And so what is Johnny going to do? Like, Yeah. So in amongst this scene... I just want to note real quick that we see the kids like walking out of the courtyard Mm -hmm. and all this yelling back and forth and this posturing and threatening and whatnot completely unfazed. Oh, yeah. And and they have already witnessed, they witnessed a cop beating a prisoner that's supposed to be released. Yeah. Like in, in our age... You know, that would be recorded, first of all. And that would be huge. That would be a huge deal. Yeah, these kids don't have smartphones, thank goodness. Yeah. They, these kids don't care at all. Yeah. And they're just kind of wandering out, continuing to witness the back and forth and continuing to not care. Yeah, and you noted that there are three of them. We see three of them very briefly in the wide shot, but we see them more prominently here. We didn't see that there's like... It's like one that's much smaller than the others. Yeah, we never saw that one before the wide shot. Like, we saw the other two kids messing with the Chevy, but we didn't see this third kid. So, yeah, he popped out of nowhere. Yeah, probably yeah, like did. Probably like hiding down behind the Chevy or something like that. So yeah. we didn't see him before. But, yeah, they're there as Johnny and Goose are yelling back and forth at each other. Yep. And I get a real kick out of how Bubba is treating Johnny. Just shoving him and manhandling him dragging him around yes because he is so done he's just as frustrated and annoyed at johnny as goose is Mm -hmm. he just has the freedom to express that yeah physically he gets to grab johnny by the arm and he gets to pull him away and yank him around and shove him at the very very end the very last thing we see of bubba and johnny bubba gives him a really good push yeah it does it's fabulous <laughs> oh it's so good yep. but yep they they finally leave the the back and forth has ended they're gone and we get this shot of fifi putting on his sunglasses i'm a little bummed out we don't get an awesome one-liner before he turn puts on the sunglasses so we get the <laughs> csi miami thing but yeah that's fine but he's basically talking to everybody that's there in the courtyard you know Roop and Charlie and Max and we kind of lose sight of Goose. Yeah, he kind of disappears. I mean, it's it's probable that he's either like on the ground below the camera line. Roop is also standing in the foreground. Mm-hmm. And Roop is a large person anyways, but when you put him in the foreground, he takes up a lot of space. So Goose could very easily be behind him. Yeah, Roop makes a much better door than a window. But, he's, but Goose is not in this scene with... Fifi and the guy standing behind Fifi. But he puts on his sunglasses and he says, okay, so long as the paperwork is clean, you boys can do whatever you want out there. Mm -hmm. And that's, like I mentioned yesterday, it's not necessarily a license to kill, but it's pretty much him saying... It kind of is. Like, as long as you can justify your actions on paper, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And I, I found this line a little bit disappointing, although... We've been kind of bashing Fifi for the last few minutes, so I'm not right. sure why I find it disappointing. But it, it seems a little resigned yeah. of Fifi to basically he's giving them permission to work outside the law. Yeah. As long as you can make it look good on paper, you can do whatever you want. And 
the, that's not the kind of hero that in the past he has wanted to give the people. Right. He's wanted to give the people, you know, honest, upright heroes. And that seems to have gone away. Maybe we talked last minute about the the group of officers as a whole maybe not being capable of being the heroes that Fifi wants them to be. Maybe this incident and what he saw of the group as a whole, the behavior in general, maybe that showed him something about what he's working with. And maybe maybe he realized that, okay, I need to adjust my methods a little bit and allow them to allow them a little bit more freedom to work the way they need to work. Yeah. So maybe that's why he... I I remember I joked a little bit about this when we first got to see Max's hero reveal, the idea of paperwork, and Fifi brings it up again here. But what I find interesting is that we never actually see someone doing any paperwork whatsoever. Nope. It's not that kind of movie. Yeah. This isn't the kind of movie where you want to see where you want to see somebody doing paperwork. Right. That's boring. <laughs> and this movie's not boring. No, it's not. So we transition from the Halls of Justice to a beach somewhere where a motorcycle with a mannequin on the back of it is riding down a pier to be met by other people. And this is the Acolytes. They have arrived at wherever they were driving to with the pickup truck. And it's late enough that Bubba and Johnny have rejoined the group. So they're all together again. Yes. And Johnny's had time to treat his wounds. Yeah. He's got this big dumb looking bandage on his face. Actually, I thought the bandage looks like a broken nose bandage. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's just a gash in his nose. I don't think he actually broke his nose. But anyways. Probably something they just threw on to make sure the blood doesn't get everywhere. Yeah. So in the dialogue, it's Starbuck who's out on the pier. And the motorcycle that's riding up is driven by Clunk because Starbuck says, Hey, Clunko, here it is, the walking armpit. Or here he is, the walking armpit. And I'm sure that's not a moniker that Clunk has on his business card. Not that he would have business cards, but if he did. walking armpit. (laughs) Well, don't most armpits like walk around? I mean, not independently, but they're right. part of the body that walks around. Yeah, I think it's more uh, like armpits are conveyed as, you know, like they're carried, not so much. Yeah, I, I might be thinking too hard about this. I think we really are thinking okay. too much into this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fantastic, like, mm, insults slash friendly... Like friendly jab? Yes, yeah, friendly jab, that's a good way to say it. What's kind of funny is that I don't know off the top of my head another specific point in this movie where Clunk's name is mentioned, and the only time we actually hear it mentioned, so far as I'm able to remember, is Starbuck giving him, like, a nickname, Clunk O, Mm -hmm. like adding an O to the end there. Um, But there must be some other... Oh, there is another point where we find out his name. It's in the credits, where it's labeled as Clunk. (laughs) Right. So Starbuck is telling us, hey, this guy who you'll see in the credits, he's Clunk. And I call him Clunko because out of nowhere, he just has a mannequin on the back of his motorcycle. Yep. So in this same scene with the pier, if you look to the left, there are two people. I think they're like rolling around in the sand making out. Probably. Yeah, say it took it took you pointing them out to me for me to notice them for sure. Yeah. Um, this area that they're at, um, it looked pretty cool. And so I went on um, Mad Max movies to their location database. And this specific pier is Seaford Pier. Uh, it's right off of Station Street and Nepean Highway. The pier is part of the Victoria State Park System. And it has its own page on their website. You can 
learn about docking your boat on the pier and whatnot. There's a huge span of it that's closed down recently because of a storm that blew through. Um, The whole park area is about 0.2 hectares. It was built in the late 1920s to support a pipeline that carried seawater from Port Phillip Bay over to uh, Cannonook Creek, which is pretty cool. Do you happen to know why you would want to transport seawater like that? Um, well, I mean, you can take seawater, you can desalinate it, mm-hmm. you know. But why wouldn't you build the desalination plant right next to the ocean? Why would you build it somewhere else? I don't know. Not quite sure. Okay. I'm sure the Australians have some sort of plan for it. Okay. Someone will tell us. If All right. We, if, if anybody out there knows why you would build a pipeline to move seawater from one place to another, for what purpose? Let us know, because I'm curious. Yeah. So... Pretty much all of the bikes for the gang are parked on this pier, too. So they've all rolled out and parked there. But before Clunk can really come to a full stop, Kundalini comes out and grabs the mannequin off the back of the bike and just starts running with it. And there's a third person on that pier, besides Starbuck and Kundalini, Gumchewers, also there. Yes. And thank goodness she's easy to spot with her, like, orangey-red halter top and her big, floofy hair. Yeah. Uh, That... It's very clear. It is definitely her. Something that occurred to me, just really quick. Back in the town, Cologne slash We Jerusalem, we we mentioned the the elephant. Mm-hmm. Was that Clunk that that snatched the elephant? It was. So does Clunk have a thing about like taking things? Oh, I bet. I bet he's got a kleptomatic streak. <laughs> yeah, because I mean he he didn't take the elephant with him. We, we did see him throw the elephant to the ground when it was time to leave to go after the Chevy. But it was sitting on his bike as if he was going to take it. Yes. And then he shows up and we don't get any explanation about like where the mannequin came from mm-hmm. or why he took it or what his intention was with it. He never gets to handle it from here on out. It is completely taken over by Kundalini and Mudguts. Yep. And it's quite taken over. So um, I just want to pay attention the rest of the film i think it just gets more serious so i don't think there's going to be another opportunity to see clunk doing things like this but that would be interesting yeah so after we see kundalini grab the mannequin and start running down to the beach we get a quick shot of one of the acolytes sitting on an overturned car and this is the first instance in this minute specifically where we start seeing other members of the gang featured more prominently And we also start to see just women that seem to have just come out of nowhere. You know, there's a lot of faces where you look at them and you're like, hold on, wait, who is that? Where did they come from? We haven't seen them before. That type of thing. Yeah, I think that's not unexplainable. I think that when we first see the gang, their purpose was to go pick up the coffin. Mm -hmm. So why would their, their women go with them? Right. Unnecessary. Like they probably stayed at the beach. And hung out because at least two of them are in some version of a bathing suit. One one other one, the one with like really, really short hair, we see her so briefly. She's in some sort of halter top, so it could be a bathing suit. We see her from like the collarbone up, so it's yeah. really hard to tell what she's wearing. But it appears that they were just hanging out at the beach. We can kind of see in the background there's a building at the Seaford Pier, which is kind of like a seafood restaurant or something like that. So it could be that they were just a bunch of girls hanging out at the beach and then the bikers showed up. It could have been the bikers were hanging out at the beach and then the women showed up. Mm -hmm. They could have been at the restaurant and said, hey, let's go hang out with these guys because, you know, they're not all repulsive, ugly guys. No, especially for the time. Yeah, like they've got that. Especially for the 70s, 80s. 
aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> so we go from the unnamed acolyte on the car, and then we get this composed shot of Toe Cutter and Bubba and Johnny sitting around. I'm pretty sure it's just the back seat of a car that they ripped out and put on the sand. Yeah, I, I thought it looked like a like a still life, mm-hmm. like a classical painting with Johnny sitting on the ground, like at Toe Cutter's feet, mm-hmm. and Toe Cutter sitting there. The blanket that he's wearing, it looks like one of those like emergency blankets. Yeah, you know, like, it looks like really, a space blanket. Yeah, like they're really like thin and almost foily. Yeah, it makes him look like a baked potato. Yes. Uh, so is he cold? I mean... I mean, there are other people, the women, who are wearing next to nothing. And he's fully dressed. He's not wearing his leather anymore, his jacket. Right. But he's, you know, pants, shirt. I almost said blouse because it's kind of blousey. Um, and then he's wrapped in this, like, space blanket. Yeah. So well, I mean... cold? With those space blankets, if the shiny side is facing out, then you're reflecting heat away from yourself. So think and he so was hot. He might just be wearing it for the shade. For the shade. Because he might be the only person in this movie that's actually concerned about protecting yourself from the sun. It seems like he would be <laughs> concerned. So in the still life, we have Johnny at, at Toe Cutter's feet. We have Toe Cutter and his baked potato. And then we have Bubba, who's uh, sitting in just a chair. Yep. And it's just there. It's not even a beach chair. No, it's just, it's. I don't remember if we got a good look at the chair, but it's like a folding metal chair. It's just yeah. a chair. And it's it's pointed away from everybody. Yep. Which is very reminds me of this thing I heard years ago, and I can't remember where that about body language. People tend to point their knees at people that they like, and his knees are pointed away from everybody. Oh, yeah. the, <laughs> and he's sitting there very stoic, and he's also no longer wearing his jacket. And can I just point out that he's wearing a women's shirt mm-hmm. with his little like necklace? With thing. his little necklace. Yeah. And we watched the behind the scenes. That was actually the actor's choice. He went and bought it and wore it to something. Did he wear it to the audition? Or he just wore it to the first day of shooting? And it was like, yeah, that that works. <laughs> That's great. It tells us something about the character. I'm not 100% sure what it's telling us. Because so far, what we've learned of Bubba is that he is stoic, but sarcastic it's like super serious yes and he does very much dislikes johnny i think there are a lot of things that bubba zanetti does not like yeah but the things that he does like like he maybe he likes a particular cut of shirt yeah you and know a particular hair color yeah and he likes toe cutter yeah, yeah he's, a, he's an interesting one there yeah so we get this scene of the three of them, and I think it's mud guts oh yeah comes like spilling over barrels through yeah. uninvited yeah dragging and it seems the mannequin the the group as a whole is very like rowdy oh yeah and lots of like goofing around and they kind of they kind of invade toe cutters stoic scene mm. he doesn't seem to mind no he doesn't which seem is to surprising mind he actually gets hit like in the shoulder like mud guts like kicks him in the shoulder a little bit yeah i didn't care but yeah Somehow Mudguts got that mannequin and he leaps over the bench and he runs off into the sand and then Kundalini comes in and he kind of like, they kind of hit each other and whatnot. And they start, they they prop up this mannequin and they start just like getting all over it. And I really hope that they understand that friendships are important and that they shouldn't let mannequins get in the way of that. Mannequins come and mannequins go, but true friendship is really what matters. I think they'll pull through. I, I, I certainly hope so, but... 
Starbuck and Gumchu are, are certainly getting a kick out of this. Every other member of the gang is pretty much finding a comfortable Enjoying space to scene. sit yeah. just to watch this go on. And I'm pretty sure that Gumchur and Starbuck are some sort of couple here that she is interested in him and, and vice versa mm-hmm. um, because she doesn't really spend much time with any of the other gang members. It's pretty much always her and Starbuck. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and I'm kind of guessing that the reason they had the Knight Riders remains sent to We Jerusalem is because that's where Gumchur lived and she kind of offers them like she probably has a an apartment or a house that they get to crash at whenever they're in town. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why they sent it there. Yeah, I think we've discussed that before. This definitely reiterates that there is, that there may have been a previous relationship. Mm -hmm. It's still possible that they had it sent to We Jerusalem because that was the closest one to where they were and that Gumchewer met them for the first time there and just like fell in with them. That's possible too, but I don't think so. I think they had a prior a previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we haven't done yet is we haven't talked about the actor who plays Starbuck. Um, he's played by Nick Gazana, and he's interesting not so much because of the roles that he's played. Um, for instance, his top four on IMDb is Mad Max. He was a pirate in the pirate movie. And then he's done a couple of TV movies to round out his top four. Um, they're Police Crop, The Winchester Conspiracy, and The John Sullivan Story. Um, one was in 1990, the fourth one was in 1979, and he also did one episode of Skyways, so that's kind of his crossover thing there. But the most interesting thing about Nick Gazana is that the is that he worked on the soundtrack with Brian May. In fact, uh, the nightclub slash cabaret song from the the Mad Max soundtrack, specifically the song like Licorice Road. Mm-hmm. Like, that was him. Like, he's the one who wrote that. And he's also the one that helped produce Jesse's theme. That that saxophone piece that she plays. Yeah. Um, so, let me see what this little blurby says. So, Licorice Road and Jesse's theme, the saxophone solo played by Jesse to Max, were written and produced by Nick Gazana, who also played Starbuck in the film. The on-screen performance of Licorice Road was given by Robina Chaffee. However, the female voice on the track actually belongs to Creenock St. Clair, who we'll hear on Friday. The track, which was not released, featured some of Melbourne's most loved musicians, including Gary Costello and Mal Capewell. Oh, so they didn't release the soundtrack? No. Oh. Not not with Licorice Road on it. Oh, okay. I think that when they released the soundtrack, they focused mostly on Brian May's orchestral work. Oh, okay. And okay. kind of downplayed the more nightclub sounding that's too bad it's a pretty great song yeah i don't think they ever released a full track a full not part of the movie mm-hmm. standalone song which is definitely something you would have seen in like the early to mid 90s because they always had some sort of pop song tie-in yes i guess i could also say late it's... 80s because that's exactly what happens with thunderdome absolutely tina turner sings a couple songs in yes. the uh, after credits there so, so... shifting back to Kundalini and Mudguts fighting over the mannequin. And it's just them tossing it back and forth. And they have they have different... Intentions? Different intentions. Kundalini is much more romantic where Mudguts is more primal about it. In fact, 
Mudguts is very focused on this idea. He says, there's a fire in my belly and she's the woman to put it out. And he just talks about how he's on fire, he's on fire, and that she's his. But Kundalini on the other side, he says, off brute, this angel is hot in the tubes for me. <laughs> it's like, that is, I don't know, two very have, different sides of the same coin. He's <laughs> have a way with words. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about Kundalini being very fluid in his movements. Well, apparently he's very fluid in his words, too. I can't think of another instance where he specifically said something. But, yeah, <laughs> he waxes a little bit more poetic at the end of this minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow because it's yet another line that gets cut in half. Yep. So they're fighting over the mannequin. Diabando's there cheering them on. Bubba Zanetti just looks displeased at the whole situation. This is... This is all so below him. Meanwhile, Clunk is watching this and just laughing it up. Just hucking it up. Um, we haven't talked about Clunk either. Might as well bring him up. He actually has a really short thing. Um, Clunk is played by an actor named Bertrand Cadart. His top four on IMDb is actually more of a top three. And that's pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from Mad Max, his number two most recognized role is from 2012's Bolivian Kiss, where he played a character named Papa. And his number three is The Madness of Max in 2015, which is literally just the behind-the-scenes documentary that we watched the other day. We mentioned it like a week or so ago. So this other role, Bolivian Kiss, I downloaded the little blurb from IMDb. It says, Bolivian Kiss is a feature action thriller and is brought to you by director Derek Erskine, this Australian film made the official selection at LAFOA Film Festival New Caledonia in 2011 and has attracted huge international attention. Not bad for being filmed in just six days. Based on two friends traveling through a seaside town, their holiday turns into a nightmare when brutal people smugglers arrive. Oh, brutal people smugglers. There we go. <laughs> uh, Bolivian Kiss is described as a blood-curdling psychological thriller and is full of suspense. So there's that, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm all for, like, watching unusual things, especially when I know somebody who's in it. But I don't think that that's one that I'll watch. Maybe if, like, uh, Browse Held High does an episode on it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but... So Bubba walks over to Toe Cutter mm -hmm. and says, what does he say? The line is, joviality is a game of children. He's <sighs> just so above this. So above it. Meanwhile, Mudguts and Cunnilina are continuing to fight over this mannequin in the background. Yeah. And then, and then we switch over to them. And Mudguts, Mudguts has just, wrapped himself around the mannequin's leg. I like, leg. don't even want to say it. It's just so gross. And he's like just putting his mouth on this mannequin. And you brought up an awesome, an, you brought up an excellent point about this mannequin. They don't know where this mannequin has been. They do not know what kind of dirt, what kind of germs are on this mannequin. Yeah, they don't know where he found it. Yeah, they don't know what Clunk did to her before he brought her back. Yeah. They and, know nothing about her history. And she's wearing like a fancy little red hat and her arm is taped on. Yeah. Like... This is not... Like, don't don't put your mouth on that. This is not a thing that you need to be smearing your face all right. over. Like, I am the very opposite of a germaphobe. Dirt germs do not bother me at all. But that is disgusting. Oh, just he's using so much tongue and just yes. mashing his face into the plastic. 
And it's like, okay, this thing was on the back of a motorcycle. And yeah, I think the way it was oriented, it's probably not covered in bug guts. But at the same time, you're risking ingestion of bug guts. And that is just, don't take your nickname and apply it to bugs. Yeah. You know, mug guts, don't do that. (laughs) But he's just all over this thing and it's distressing. (laughs) It's really, it's quite disconcerting, like, Ugh. how into kissing this mannequin yeah. he is. Because it's quite a passionate kiss. Oh, he is all about this thing. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> oh, it's quite a ways to ride out today's minute. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. We actually get half of a line from Kundalini before we fully end this minute but it's cut off in two so we're gonna pick it up tomorrow yes with the second half of the kiss so join us for that more kiss in the meantime our website is madmaxminute.com you can follow us on twitter at madmaxminute and like us on facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute thank you for joining us for mad max minute number 37 we will see you tomorrow motorbikes and leather men take me to the end of the dream Hold up, it's tight, so it's short, Bill.